This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Essler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Essler. Once again, we are going to do five college games. We're going to do five NFL games. We'll look at the markets, see how they're moving, give you some of the games that we also like kind of afterwards. If you want to find any of our stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Raisbeck, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler, or some of his work at pregame.com. Also, please don't forget to download, listen, subscribe, and share the podcast Winner's Take with your friends. We always appreciate that. Dave, uh, let's jump right in here. We're looking at college football. It is now week 11 in college football. Week 10 in the NFL, Dave, let's start out with our first game in college football. We're going to be looking at number three, Michigan, traveling to number 10, Penn State. Currently, this line, Michigan favored by four and a half, and that total sitting there at uh, 45 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for Michigan, Penn State? Yeah, I mean, before you look at X's and O's, I mean, you kind of got to look at Michigan and, you know, the NCAA threw up their findings in that whole sign-stealing thing. You know, I guess they're even mulling over a Harbaugh suspension. I mean, I know there aren't direct connections, but it's, it's, I think they accuse him and there's nothing there. Michigan could sue the league. So you have to figure out how that's going to affect Michigan. And I think it's going to affect him positively, actually. I mean, they, they seem to be using it as motivation. And, you know, Penn State's a team that, you know, they've done what they had to do. They've checked all the boxes except for, you know, a good loss. But if there is such a thing at Ohio State and, I think that close call with Indiana was predictable, given the fact that it was the week after they got right against Maryland. So we're we basically got the top two defenses in the nation. Nobody's run on Penn State or Michigan for the most part, but the Lions do have the number one rush defense, only allowing three point eight yards per carry. But Michigan isn't far behind. I think it's going to come down to who can throw the ball. Uh, statistically, Michigan's pass defense should give them that advantage. If this were a whiteout game at night, I would consider Penn State. But by the same token. It's hard for me to lay those points. What I will do is take the Michigan team total over, uh, which should be about 24. Uh, They haven't scored less than that, less than 31 in conference play. And I think they want to make a statement. So I will take the Michigan team total over. I 100% agree with your thoughts on the motivation for Michigan. Being in Big Ten country, it, it really feels like Michigan versus the world. And until something comes down, I think they're going to continue to play that way. You mentioned both defenses are good. I look at that Ohio State loss for Penn State, and I watched that game. Drew Allard did not look good. Whenever he was pressured, which was quite a bit from that Ohio State front, he was really flustered. I think Michigan's got a better defense than Ohio State. I think they're going to be getting after him. The other thing that I just can't get past is when you go just right down basically through it. Better head coach. I know James Franklin always seems to fail in these big games, especially against Ohio State and Michigan. So I'll take Harbaugh. I'll take J.J. McCarthy over Drew Allar. I think Michigan, just from eye test, is a better defense, though the stats would skew slightly to Penn State. I'd have to take Michigan here. It's just, it comes down to those factors. And I'm not a believer in James Franklin. And if I had to look at the total, because both defenses are good and Michigan really is unproven against this good of a defense, I would probably lean with the under, but I I would definitely play Michigan if I was going to. I agree with you. I just, you know, Penn State at home. That's, again, why I wish it were a night game and maybe a little more energy. But, you know, it is what it is. I think Michigan's going to be able to score. Uh, Moving on to our second game, 
It's going to be number 13, Utah, traveling to number five, Washington. Currently, Washington favored by nine and a half, with the total sitting there at 49 and a half. Dave, what are your thoughts for Utah, Washington? Yeah, that's a ton of points. I mean, I know Washington's coming off a huge win, uh, and but it was also a taxing mentally and, and physically game at USC. And, you know, but they're still undefeated and they have their eyes on the bigger prize. And uh, there'll be significant favorites in both of their remaining games after this. So, you know, you, you could argue that Washington will blow them out. And the Utes have played just three road games this season, though. They barely beat a horrible Baylor team. Uh, they lost at Oregon State by double digits. And, you know, they beat USC by two. Well, that's really no big deal with that defense. But overall, when they faced a good defense, they've come up short. They were smoked in Oregon. I would love to take the generous points. I really would. But to me, this might be where the, the missing camerizing rubber meets the road. Penix is a legit Heisman candidate. You know, I think they might get him some stats. So I, I would reluctantly lay the points here. I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one. I think I would take the nine and a half with Utah. You know that the Washington offense is great, but that Utah defense is for real. Outside of Oregon, who I personally think, even though they lost to Washington, is the best team in the Pac-12, they've played relatively well. And the one thing that um, I look at with Washington, they had that big win over Oregon. They played a lowly Arizona State team, had a letdown. Now they got a big emotional win on the road at USC, like you mentioned. Could there be another letdown? Plus, it's sandwiched between at Oregon State and Corvallis, and that'll probably be a night game. I could see a little bit of a letdown and nine and a half points with a good defense. I think I'd roll with Utah in this one. Yeah, I mean, I could argue either way, and, and I would tend always tend to lean to taking points, but um, I'm, I just can't do it here. I I think anything under 10 is a, is a gift. Now, Dave, I know I brought up on the last podcast talking about we're starting to get into the stage of motivation and energy games here down the stretch the last few weeks of the season. This is why I threw this game on here. Our next game we're going to look at is Washington State at Cal. Currently, this line, you have Cal favored by a point and a half with the total sitting there at 59 and a half. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking for Washington State Cal? Yeah, I'm going to back Cal here, I think. Uh, you know, I know they were shredded at Oregon, and, and as much as their defense isn't good, you know, their offense can struggle, but this is their last home game, and that's almost always a solid bet for a lot of teams. I mean, they need to win all three games to get the bowl eligible, and they can. They're at Stanford and they're at UCLA, uh, which will be after UCLA loses to USC. So, you know, it's possible. I mean, Washington State had their month in the sun in September when they beat the Badgers. And, you know, that's not a, a great win anymore. And they beat Oregon State. At the time, that seemed to be kind of huge. Since then, 0-5 in conference play, no road wins, and a 10-7 loss at home to Stanford. I, it can't feel good to be a Cougar right now. Not with the defense that, you know, had a stretch of allowing 120 points in three games before they played Stanford. I mean, I got to like Cal here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's why I threw it on there. It's the motivation spots, the energy. That senior day, like you mentioned, their last home game, they're going to be jacked for it. Plus, when you look at Cal, they've played better passing teams than Washington State that are exclusively passing teams, and they've stayed right in those games. And you mentioned it with Washington State. How can you back them right now? They've lost five in a row, haven't won a road game, including one in Arizona State. Their only win on the road is against Colorado State. I mean, come on, that was the first game of the season. I like the fact that uh, Cal probably will be the much more energized team that is looking to win, and Washington State's just looking to end the season at this point. So I would take California minus the one and a half. 
don't really have a, a, a true play on the side, but when California is matched up against passing teams, they have been able to score a ton of points just in general, looking at the schedule Cal against, well, Oregon's got a really good D, but they put up 19 49 on USC uh, Washington. They scored 32 points. So it does turn into a bit of a, uh, some shootouts when they play passing teams. I can't get past the last home game thing. Really? I mean, this is kind of Cal's season right here. That's why I put it on there. It was one I gave out on Monday that I really circled right away beginning of the week. And I think we're going to see more and more of those types of games pop up on our cards here moving forward. We absolutely will. Looking at our next college football game, it's going to be number nine, Ole Miss, traveling to number two, Georgia. And in this one, we currently have Georgia favored by 10 and a half with a total of 58 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for this SEC game? Yeah, I mean, I think people are going to want to take Ole Miss with the points. I mean, after watching Missouri play, the dog's tough. And and that was a nice win for us last week. And it was probably my biggest bet of the day. Missouri, they have something Ole Miss doesn't, and that's called the defense. And what I do know is that Ole Miss just has one loss at, at Alabama. But they haven't been dominant, and they've worked really hard to beat Texas A&M last week. Having said that, if they pull off the upset, they've got – uh, leg up actually on LSU and the SEC West, believe it or not. So they have hope for the SEC championship game. So they're not, this is bigger than just beating Georgia and they'll win their last two games. You know, Missouri also caught Georgia after the Florida game and, and Georgia's at Tennessee next week. So nobody, uh, you know, it's kind of a, I don't want to call it a letdown spot, but a little bit of a sandwich game. And, and you know, nobody's going to catch Georgia in the SEC, so they can be had. But given that Ole Miss can score, and Missouri showed them how last week against Georgia and can't stop many people, um, I lead it over here in as much as Kirby probably doesn't want to shoot out. I think Lane forces one. Yeah, when I looked at this game, I had two initial thoughts. I liked Ole Miss plus the points, and I liked the over. Reason for the over was kind of easy. I mean, Georgia's defense for me hasn't been nearly as good as it has been the last two years, and other teams have scored on them. You mentioned Missouri. They put up 21 points, Florida 20. I think Ole Miss is is probably in that Missouri range for types of offense. The other thing is, you already mentioned it, it's the low spot for Georgia after that big win against Missouri. Who knows if they come out full energy. But one thing that I, I couldn't get out of my head for that over was, Lane Kiffin likes to play fast, and if this Georgia D's not great, I still fully believe Georgia's going to score on Ole Miss. The one thing I couldn't get past was, how is Lane Kiffin going to play against Kirby Smart? Because we know that Lane Kiffin gets in his own head when he takes on Nick Saban, and these two work together at Alabama for two years. So these offenses and defenses went head-to-head for two seasons. That kind of got me off of you know, the side. That kind of got me off of the total. And it's like, I don't know what to think, because if this was just a normal game and they had never worked together, I could see the over and I could see Ole Miss. But now I'm really not sure about this game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Leopard's going to change his spots much here. I think Lane's going to do what Lane does. And, you know, it's always a little bit of a motivation to to beat Lane Kiffin, no matter who he's playing against. But I think it's kind of lost a little bit of its luster, too, now that he's been in the SEC for a few years. So. You know, I think it could be a factor, but I don't think it will be. So moving on to our final college football game, we have the Florida Gators heading to number 18 LSU. Currently LSU favored by 13 and a half 
We have a total sitting there at 63 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for our final college football game? Yeah, I mean, the Gators need wins to play in January or even late December, and they're not going to get them. It's that simple. They'll lose next week at Missouri, and, and as much as the FSU game is a massive rivalry, they could cover that game, but I don't think they're going to win. So what's going to happen with LSU? Is it more of the same? You know, they beat everyone they're supposed to and, and lose on the road to Alabama. I mean, I think so. New coach, same M.O., uh, same M.O. as Kelly at Notre Dame, really. The, I mean, the thing about Florida, though, is their defense is pathetic. Uh, and to be fair, LSU's defense isn't stout. So I can make a case for the over, which would be predicted, you know, be predicated on Florida scoring, and that's not a given. Uh, so I think I'll be on the LSU team total over and might make that a fairly large bet. The number will be somewhere between 37, 38, but I, I think they hang 40 on Florida. They get a chance to stay within margin. Uh, but there's too many variables to pick a side here. I, I just think that given how far Florida's fallen, uh, there's probably seats available for that game, which is a rarity. So I like the LSU team total. Yeah, so I I came up with a derivative for this game. LSU loses in a big game against Alabama. They not only lose that game, but they lose all hope of playing in the SEC championship game as they are now both behind Alabama and Ole Miss and lost to both teams almost feels like a dream crusher type situation for LSU. And then you already mentioned Florida. They need to win at least one game to make it to a bowl. And on paper, number 19 LSU, they're the worst team with the worst defense. I think they have the best shot at beating LSU than Missouri or or Florida State at this point. It feels like it's going to be an all-in effort. I see where you're coming with the over, but if LSU's offense is sleepy – I I don't know how many points are they going to score if they don't care. I actually looked at a derivative and thought Florida in the first quarter plus six and a half might be the bet if LSU comes out, you know, a little low and Florida's gearing up because this might be their best shot at a win. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you know, Florida doesn't want to get to a run and gun game. And, you know, if they can, if they get the ball first and can go down and score and take a bunch of minutes off the clock, you, you're probably right. I, I like that idea. So that was that was my derivative. I basically wrote down Florida by plus the 13 and a half or the first half at seven and a half and then the first quarter at six and a half. And I figured if they're going to come out early with energy and, and LSU might be low, the first quarter might be the better bet than the first half, which is better than the full game. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. So that is our college football games. Now, Dave, if you want to get any more of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor. Or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler's work at pregame.com. Dave, looking at the college football markets, any marketplace where the market's just screaming to take this team or any other team that you like this week? Well, I mean, the market screams, but you still have to do the work. But East Carolina is getting a lot of love. Um, and uh, there was another one I saw coming through here that was um, Charlotte at home. A lot of people like them. I, I would prefer 10, but nine and a half against Memphis. And let's see, I mean, some of the smaller schools lines are flipping around, but you know, those are, those are high variance type teams. They like the under in the Utah Washington game quite a bit. They like the over in the USC Oregon game quite a bit. I I think I disagree with that. I think Oregon shuts USC's offense down. And what else we got going on here? We're getting to, we're getting to the Hawaii game, the last game on the board always which people will have a bailout game on. No, that's about it. That's all I want to put my stamp on. Uh, Navy, Navy is getting some market love against UAB at home. Do with that what you will. I'm, I'm uh, 
that's another schizophrenic team that I'll pass on. But those are the markets talking. Yeah, the games that I looked at, Virginia Tech against Boston College. Boston College feels like it might be getting a little bit more love because of their winning streak, though they've played nobody. I looked at Va Tech, and then it was a heavy Big Ten slate for me. I was jumping back on the Nebraska train, catching points. Maryland's been in free fall. I like Minnesota. And then the uh, other one, I'd probably play Rutgers on the money line. We were talking about that before we came on here. So I'm I'm Big Ten heavy for games I was looking at this week. You know how I feel about that. Basically what Dave's trying to say there in so many words was he can't wait to tune in and watch. That's totally putting words in my mouth, but okay. All right, before we jump into the NFL, we ask that you listen, download, subscribe, share the podcast, Winner's Take, with your friends. Dave, let's move into our NFL slate of games. First one we're going to look at, it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Niners favored by three, total sitting there at 45 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for our first NFL game? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to like Jacksonville, and I kind of do too. Um, You know, Purdy's struggles are pretty well documented when the 49ers are are shorthanded or behind. I mean, I know they won't be shorthanded this week. Debo's coming back. Um, Chase Young addition isn't hurting, but, you know, will they be behind? Maybe not. Um, but the Jags played Kansas City pretty tough here at home. They held them to just 17. But other than that, they, they haven't really seen a good offense. And uh, this year, the Jags haven't. And, you know, that kind of includes the Bills now. And with that said, they've had a week off, but so have the 49ers. I mean, I hate to bet against Jacksonville at home, but let's face it, a healthy San Francisco team or not, they've only scored 17 in the last three straight games and lost all three. That could spell desperation, two of them on the road. They haven't won a road game since they beat the Rams in week two. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that just a few players back are going to simply reignite that 49ers offense. I mean, both teams have solid run defenses. The Jags are actually a little better. It's coming down to quarterback play. Most games do. This one's the, I think it's nothing but quarterbacks. I, I won't discount Jacksonville's weapons by comparison. Uh, they just don't have the flashy names. If I had to bet this game, though, uh, I'm taking the under. I, I think... People are looking at both offenses and and not looking at both defenses. I I say it's under. So Dave liking the under in the San Francisco-Jacksonville game. I'm going to go with San Francisco minus the three. I don't think you're going to get any more value on a San Francisco team this talented unless they lose three straight games like they just did and they're coming off their bye week. I'm looking at Jacksonville. They've won five straight. They haven't really played a good team in that five games, though. Atlanta's very middling. Indianapolis, eh. New Orleans, middling. I don't think Pittsburgh's that good, but they find ways to win. Yeah, they did beat Buffalo, but let's not forget, that was in London, which is like their the Jags' second home. I just think that uh, you look at the fact that Debo's coming back, that's a huge boost. McCaffrey's even healthier. I don't think Purdy could play as bad as he possibly has the last few weeks. And you played a desperate Cincinnati team before the bye week. The other one big thing to note, speaking of bye week, Kyle Shanahan is like a magician in the second halves of the season after bye weeks. So I, I do like San Francisco in this one minus the three. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I could build a case the other way, and I think I will, just because I know it It gives you reason to care about that game when you're betting against me. So I'll, I'll take Jacksonville. All right, we're going head-to-head. That's our second head-to-head game here on the podcast. Moving to our second NFL game, we're going to look at the Cleveland Browns 
traveling to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Currently, depending on where you look, it's Ravens by six, six and a half, with the total sitting there at 38 and a half. Dave, what are you thinking for this uh, AFC North battle? Yeah, both teams had good wins last week, uh, and both teams have elite defenses. We know that. So for me, it's building a case for the over because the under looks just way too obvious, or taking the points in a division game, which also looks way too obvious. I mean, you know, this is the second meeting this year, but in the first game, the Ravens won 28-3, but the Browns quarterback that day was Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who threw for 121 yards and three picks. You know, Watson has to be better than that. And he's had a game under his belt. And what concerns me is we know the Browns' defense is among the best, but they're allowing 10, 10 points per game at home and a whopping 29 on the road. So, you know, maybe the over Baltimore in four games at home, they've only allowed 40 points total. So maybe the under. By process of elimination, I can't bet the over. By process of elimination, I can't bet the under. If I had to bet the game, it would be the under. I think I can lay the six points. This is a low-scoring division game. I, I can't necessarily take the points. Uh, if I had to be, it would be Baltimore. I mean, and maybe the Cleveland team total under. I mean, that's likely going to be 16 and a half. I'd love 17, but... You know, the Ravens are also number one in the NFL in red zone defense, you know, turn a couple of touchdowns into field goals. I think I'm looking at like a 23-14 game. So ultimately, I'll take the Ravens. All right, we're going to have another disagreement. I'm going to take the Browns plus the points. You mentioned how they played earlier, and this was a blowout. Baltimore won 28-3. I think a lot of casual people will remember that or go back and look and say, oh, This Baltimore team creamed the Browns. Now they've won four straight. I mean, they've smoked Detroit. They smoked Seattle most recently. Deshaun Watson hasn't been that great, but you're right. It was DTR at quarterback. Watson is clearly the best option at quarterback. And I just think because these two defenses are that good, it'll probably be low scoring. And I'd rather have the points there. And I just think the Ravens are a little overhyped with what they've done lately. I think the market, they might actually think that the Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now. I will take the points with the Browns. That's another game you'll have to watch with interest because Baltimore just beat a mobile quarterback and Geno Smith, he's going to beat another one. They're going to beat another one this week in, in Deshaun Watson. So you're wrong again. All right, we're going to have a few games here for us to monitor. Let's uh Let's move on to the next NFL game going to be the Houston Texans traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals currently in this one depending on where you look Cincinnati favored by six and a half seven total sitting there at 47 Dave what do you think for the Texans Bengals matchup yeah I mean do the Bengals take the Texans seriously after last week I mean I think they do because they can't afford not to you know neither team's been able to run the ball and the Texans actually have a far better run defense so I think Joe Burrow props over are in play here it's actually the Texans that have a far better yards per pass offensively. Uh, it's the Bengals who give up chunk plays defensively. It's Houston that's better offensively on third down. It's Houston who's the better team in a lot of areas. The Bengals who have a division game Thursday at Baltimore. That's a that's a bad thing. It's the Bengals who are, they're favored by too many points. I mean, I'm going to take Houston. Uh, I won't bet against momentum and. They're a team that thinks they can beat anyone right now playing on borrowed time as compared to preseason expectations. That's a generous opponent, and seven's a lot of points in the NFL. Give me Houston. Yeah, I'm I'm going to slightly agree with you or somewhat agree with you, I guess. I look so you're at- going to sit on the fence so you don't have to take the loss. No, 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 no. We're not sitting on the fence. We have an overall different bet here. I looked at it, and 
when you look at the Bengals, like clearly this is a team that's coming on. Joe Burrow looks healthier. Joe Burrow looks like he's back to being Joe Burrow. I know that if you look at the market, the total has flown up, I think, three points from open. And it's it's come back a little bit where Houston dropped. I think it opened around eight. Houston six and a half, seven now. But I agree with you. When you look at the, the metrics on the Bengals, Houston should be able to pass the ball on them. C.J. Stroud's clearly running away with rookie of the year. And I think he's even going to be a little hyped for this game, not only because it's the Bengals, but he's going back to Ohio where he played you know, at Ohio State. There's probably going to be some familiar faces and friends in the area ready for that game. So I think there's motivation on his part. And then you can run on Cincinnati, and Houston really hasn't run all year. But if any, if they're ever going to get a bump, it might be in this game. I actually like the Texans team total over 19 and a half. Okay. Well, I'll buy that. If I had to go secondary, it would have been the Texans and try and look for a seven. But I, I feel more comfortable, especially if a game becomes a shootout, because like you said, they could take the Texans or the, the Bengals could take the Texans lightly. I like the points. Maybe, maybe Cincinnati still wins the game 31 to 24, but I like the over in points. Yeah, I do too. Um, but I, I like Houston the best. And I did bet it earlier in the week at seven. All right, so moving on to our fourth NFL game. It's going to be the Falcons and the Cardinals. Currently in this one, we have the Atlanta Falcons favored by a point and a half with a total of 43 and a half. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, actually, I actually like this game. I, I know it's probably not going to be uh, the game of the day, but last week the Falcons lost at home to the Vikings, who were led by Josh Dobbs who had just been handed the playbook like three days before the game. I mean, he looked bad, but Taylor Heinke looked worse. He threw interceptions on consecutive plays, and they weren't what I would call good interceptions. They weren't tipped. His arm wasn't hit, nothing like that. I mean, he hit both Viking defenders right between the numbers with no Atlanta receiver even in the area. I mean, and they led the game in the fourth quarter, and they let Dobbs drive down the field to, to win the game. They couldn't stop a fourth and seven. Uh, they simply can't be road favorites. I mean, Murray's supposed to play. More and Browner serviceable receivers. I mean, this is a team that once beat Dallas. They've lost six straight, but three of those were to the three of the top four defenses in the league. And Atlanta, they only average 1.6 points per game more than the Cardinals. They got a worse turnover ratio. The Falcons on the road, they average scoring 13 points. Believe it or not, the Cardinals at home, they're averaging 25 points per game. I like the Cardinals here quite a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna, again, I'm going to somewhat agree with you. My biggest thing was the Falcons at best are a middling below average team, but you look at the Cardinals. I mean, they're one in eight. Clearly the quarterback play between Dobbs and Clayton Toon, not good. They haven't scored a ton of points this year and they're coming off of a zero burger against Cleveland. Kyler Murray's an upgrade and a big upgrade, even from Dobbs, but certainly a huge upgrade from Toon. The only way I looked at this was because of the big, jump in quarterback play maybe taking the team total for the cardinals over 20 and a half well i certainly hope so that means i'll win my bet because there's no way the falcons are going to score that money moving to our final nfl game here it's going to be the denver broncos traveling to buffalo to take on the bills currently in this one monday night football bills favored by seven seven and a half depending on where you look total sitting at 46 and a half dave what are you thinking for our final Monday night football game. Yeah, I had a big disagreement with somebody on another podcast last night about this. You know, he he kept wanting to take Buffalo, figuring that, you know, that they got to put it together. But 
I, I disagree. I mean, I, I mean, maybe they do, but I, I don't bet on teams that to, to do something they haven't done lately. And that would be Buffalo. Denver's been playing a little better. Um, you know, on four days rest, they played Kansas City tough at Arrowhead. So, you know, road the road's not going to bother them too much. They they beat the Packers, but barely. And obviously, they beat Kansas City. They've had a week off. I mean, the Bills haven't covered a spread since they waxed the Dolphins. They almost lost to the Giants, almost lost to Tampa Bay. Didn't play well at Cincinnati. Turnovers are just killing them. And Denver forced Kansas City into four of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Bills are in real trouble. They They play the Jets next week. Then in succession, Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Dallas. Then they fly to L.A. to play the Chargers. I mean, they haven't covered a spread in five games. Or, so, you know, they've got three wins and a bunch of winnable games left. Denver does. So, you know, maybe they're maybe they're going to finish the season strong. I'll, I'll take the points. I'll give me plus seven and a half all day. I'm right there with you, Dave. Basically, it was looking at all of the statistics. Everything pointed to the Bills. The Bills should crush them. That instantly makes me want to take the contrarian point of view and say, well, it's got to be Denver then if everyone's jumping on the Bills. But then you look at the spot, and you mentioned it. I mean, the Bills are 2-3 and in their last five, but the defense has given up 25-9 against the Giants, 29-18-24. Like, they're giving up points. And at the same time, that defensive front was beat up. Josh Allen can tend to turn the football over. Then on the flip side, you mentioned it. I mean, the Broncos have won two straight. They're coming off of a bye. There's anything we know about Sean Payton. Normally, he really dives in during bye week. I looked at the Broncos plus the seven and a half, and I also looked at the Broncos team total over 19 and a half. I thought that was doable as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what what the weather looks like in Buffalo Monday night. I I did look across the country, and the only game I saw that might be weather affected is the uh, Washington at Seattle for what it's where it looks like it's going to be decent rain up there in Seattle, which would probably favor the Seahawks. So that's another one I, I would take. Before we jump into the NFL markets here, again, you want to find our stuff on Twitter. You can find me at Rowdy underscore Razor. You can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler or his work at pregame.com. All right, Dave, uh, anything that you're seeing in the markets for the NFL or plays that you were thinking of making? Thinking of making. You know, you either make them or you don't. You know, I'm a little, I don't know, concerned. I don't grasp the market just loving Detroit as much as they do. Are they the better team than the Chargers? Probably. But to, to go from, from underdogs to, to field goal favorites on the road, that's a that's a tough one for me to swallow. Pittsburgh, Green Bay. I mean, it's kind of like the obligatory Steelers minus three because they don't know what else to do. I don't know how Pittsburgh's going to put up a lot of points. I don't know how Green Bay's going to put up a lot of points. But the total's pretty stable. I I might be inclined to take the Packers if I could get three and a half. Yeah, that that was one of my games on the list to give out here. Green Bay has been awful in the first half scoring. Pittsburgh's been right there with them. Pittsburgh, you know, healthy T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward's back, probably get Minka Fitzpatrick back mini buy off of a Thursday game. I like the Green Bay Pittsburgh first half under the total. Another one I looked at was the Titans and Buccaneers under the total for the full game. Um let's see. The Chargers first half under 10 and a half. That looked like one terrible spot for them coming back from the East Coast and they've struggled against defenses that are similar to Detroit's. Detroit coming off of a buy 
They didn't need to prep for any of the extra teams coming up. It's the Bears and the Packers, two crap teams they've already destroyed. I think it's all eyes on Chargers. So, yeah, Chargers first half, team total under. And then something with that Giants game. Tommy DeVito, he looked awful. The offensive line is a mess. Why would Saquon Barkley want to play? I looked at the under for the Giants team total at 10.5 or potentially the game under 38.5 because Dallas doesn't need to blow the Giants out. They've already done that week one. They need to move on to the next week. 31 to 3 Dallas, and the only points the Giants get is off of a Dallas turnover in their own end, and the Giants just settle for a field goal. I mean, it well could be another 40 to nothing game. Just looking at that, I mean, Tommy DeVito, he came in in the second half, and for an entire half, they threw the balls like seven times. Clearly, they yeah, don't. I mean, I mean, Dallas is favored by 17. I mean, that's a astronomically high number probably in about 15 years in the NFL. And one thing I did notice, you know, I've said this all year, the NFL wanted to create some parity, but uh, there's some really shitty teams out there and, and there's some really good teams out there. There's not a lot of parity. So uh, you, that's why you're getting these big numbers. Well, that'll wrap it up for our NFL markets. Again, just want to say thank you for listening to Winner's Take. Please download, listen, share, subscribe the podcast with your friends. And uh, we'll be back here next week for another week of NFL and college football. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at MadCitySportsZone.com, in the Zone app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.